For those of you who have lost money, like millions overnight. For those of you who are or have been in personal debt. For those of you who have been at rock bottom, ready to give up. Get ready because it's gonna get a whole lot worse. And that's a great thing. This is Below Zero to Hero, a brain dump by The Fail Coach, helping entrepreneurs develop a healthy relationship with failure. Look, failure can't be feared. It's the number one killer of creativity, ideas, dreams, and even entrepreneurs themselves. And it's thought will never get in your way again. With the right mindset, failure can be step one into a new journey of being a better leader, having better balance, better relationships, and most importantly, success. So bring it on. This is Below Zero to Hero with The Fail Coach. Hello and welcome back to another Brain Dumb by The Fail Coach, another episode of Brain Dumb by The Fail Coach. Um, we have another interview and we have Tom Brush here with us. Um, well, uh, I'm just going to say hello, Tom. Welcome to the show. And please uh, do us all a bit of a favor and tell us a little bit about you. Sure. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on, the, on your podcast. It's, uh, it's great to be here. Um, so, you know, I have, just, have worked with uh, and work with organizations that really struggle with overcoming the expectations and, um, and responsibilities that they have. You know, many of them are nonprofit organizations, but I found that many small businesses struggle with the same thing. And they're all dealing with how do I recruit and manage volunteers, board members, staff, all of those things that are creating difficult challenges in our lives. And ultimately, you know, their goal is to raise more revenue um, and to make sure that they're either making their organization sustainable or their business sustainable. And so after years and years of working in the nonprofit industry, I felt like I had gained a lot of knowledge and a lot of interest and understanding of that world and felt like it was now my turn to give back a little bit and to get involved to help those people have a little more clarity, find some real direction and focus on those things that are not only most important to their goals, but providing the greatest return on investment. So that really is a little bit about me um, and why I'm doing what I'm doing uh, about Two and a half years ago, okay. I started a company called Advancement Designs to, to help promote and provide those services. Okay. So you are not just exclusively working with nonprofits, uh, but also you are now um, helping just regular fellow entrepreneurs not involved in the nonprofits who want to make a profit as well. Am I right? Yes. I mean, I, I'm just starting to dive in that because what I've identified is that Many of the challenges that the nonprofit organizations that I was a part of and, and are work, and working in struggle, businesses struggle with the same thing. You know, it's all about how do I manage the overwhelm? How do I focus on what are my priorities when I have a million things running around? And my to-do list is one thing at the start of the day. And unfortunately, I end up adding more to it than I'm crossing off throughout my day. You know, so I think those there are similarities in both. I mean, my love is to help the nonprofits because that's what I've always been a part of. And I and I think they have a growing and great need and they provide such an amazing service to the community. But I'm feeling like there's other people who could value from some of the knowledge that I've gained and the information uh, that I'm able to provide 
and really the, the resource and guidance that's there. One of the biggest challenges I think for all organizations and individuals is, you know, we get hired into a role where we're supposed to be the expert. And, but we all have questions about, you know, is this new idea right? Am I managing the situation correctly? And it's hard. We can't go to our supervisor because they hired us to be the expert. And we can't really go to our staff because again, they're looking to us for it. So I think that, you know, those are some of the big challenges that I have seen and been a part of that I now want to help people overcome. Okay. So Tom, how, how did you start this whole thing? I mean, what's your background? Sure. So my background is I spent uh, about 25 years in the higher education industry and working on external relations, advancement, development, whatever the phrases you want to call it. Um, and I did a whole host of things. I did um, communications and marketing, direct solicitation, mail and email solicitation, um, constituent engagement, stewardship, grant writing. You know, I just had a lot of different roles throughout those 25 years at four different universities, public, private, small, large. And, you know, at some point I got to the point where I felt like I wanted to do something different and I wanted to make a change. And I wasn't really sure what that was, but as I started talking with people about different opportunities, I, you know, started to learn a little bit about this thing called coaching and consulting. And interestingly enough, 30 years ago when I was coming out of college, I thought I wanted to be a, a basketball coach um, because that was something I was passionate about. And I think what I've learned now is that um, I really want to help coach people. I want to help them figure out the answers that they have inside of them. They just need to find ways to pull them out and to think about them differently. And so that was when I just felt like, let me dive into this and see where it'll go. And I've been pleasantly surprised that there's lots of need. People have lots of challenges that they're trying to figure out how to overcome. And that if I can help them either go back and understand the basics, which they know, or provide them with some different information based on my experience, that that will greatly help them in their role and ultimately help their, help their organization. Okay. Is there any specific process that you um, guide your clients through or, um, you know, you, you've mentioned the, uh, the struggles. Mm -hmm. Now, how, how do you help them? Sure. I, you know, I honestly believe that, and, th and I gained this from my own personal experiences. I went back and looked at you know, where did I not just have success, but where did I really have sustained achievement, which I think is a little bit different. And every time and in every situation where I had that, there were three things that were always a part of it. And so I started to build my whole process around, you know, identifying, developing those three things. And the first is that we really can't do things alone. You know, it's very difficult for you to sit in a vacuum and create and design and, and really understand where you're at. And so we need partners. We need people who are going to be there to help and support us. Um, you know, that could be a mentor. It could be a coach. It might be somebody who's keeping you accountable. And it might be a community. And I have found that some of those things are the most powerful things we can have to help us get out of our head and really ignite action. 
and take the steps we need to take. And then the second key piece, which I like to call my pillars. So the second pillar is what is our perspective? And I think we have our own personal perspective based on our own experiences. But as we're trying to engage and interact with others, we need to step out of our perspective and better understand what is theirs. What are they bringing to the table? How are they approaching this situation? And maybe that approach is something I need to consider as I work with them. So an example I had, I was working with my team at one point and we were implementing a new system. And, you know, we sat down and it was an online database and um, we went through all the steps. And as I went through it on a screen and people were watching and taking notes and whatever, well, three, four of my five teammates figured it out easily. And the fifth was really struggling. And so one day I just happened to be in their office and they were trying to work on it in the way they like to work at things. So they like to read and then do, and that's how they learn. And so for me, a light bulb went off. It's like, I can't just assume that everybody is taking information, learning, growing, working in the same way. Then I need to really understand the people that I'm dealing with. You know, what are they bringing to the table? What are their concerns? What are the things that drive them that are interested with them? And I think organizations and businesses struggle with this because they sometimes look at their constituency through a single lens or a single avatar, when in reality, they're all approaching it differently. And so nonprofits, in an example, send out the same solicitation letter to everyone or the same marketing communications to everyone, when in reality, and hoping that there's something in that message that's going to touch everyone. And rather than really trying to dig down deep into what are the things that people are interested in, group them together that way, and now just continue to send them more and more of those messages that are going to resonate with those people. So that perspective becomes a really important thing as we, as we start to think about who are our clients and our constituents. And then finally, for me, the biggest thing is what's the plan? I think so often we design strategic plans, business plans, goals, however you want to call it or phrase it. And then they sit on a shelf or on a desk and no one ever really implements them. You know, they pay consultants lots of money to come in and help. Let's build a strategic plan. But then the consultants aren't working with them to say, all right, well, let's review this in six months and figure out where we are. And then again, in another six months, so that the organizations or individuals are actually taking action and evaluating this, the process, knowing that something that we thought about six or eight months ago might be completely different. You know, you look at our situation now, who would have thought six months ago that large events would be canceled, tr international travel would be canceled, you know? So yeah, you had a great plan that we're going to go out and visit all of our customers who are international. Well, now that's not going to work. And so we need to pivot and figure out what are our next best processes. And so that plan is an important piece of it. And I try to walk all my clients through something that is my process, but my process is all about getting them to look at their own personal data. So I'm not just coming in and say, here, implement this system and go forward. It's here, let's take a deep look at what you're currently doing, evaluate that, look at some opportunities and obstacles, and then develop some new goals to help us move forward, remembering that we always have to measure and evaluate what we're doing 
to make sure that it's working the way we thought it was going to work. Okay. I mean, Tom, um, looking back at these three pillars, um, could you give us maybe some, you know, real life examples, maybe some, um, you know, just something that maybe it might be easier for our audience to understand each of the pillar Certainly. and also something that they can use and, and, you know, they can apply as well and see some results um, because of that. Sure. Um, so one of my favorite examples, because it's, it's an area where I really felt like um, it made a difference, huge difference in my life. So about two and a half years ago, um, on a weird circumstance, my son decided not to play baseball his senior year, and I had some free time because I wasn't driving back and forth or going to his games. And I said, well, I think I need to get in shape. And at that time, I was about 244 pounds, uh, clearly overweight, uh, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. I was on medicine for both of them, completely out of shape, and knew that something needed to change. And so I started to think about, okay, well, what do I need to do different? And my wife was going to this gym, and she encouraged me to do that. So I started doing that. But I really needed to figure out what was going on. And I wasn't going to be able to do it alone. You know, left to my own devices, I would sit at home and eat the way I wanted to eat and um, not go work out because it was hard. But her accountability to me was critical so that I was able to, she was saying, okay, I'm going, are you coming with me? You know, you said you wanted to do this, let's do this. And then the gym that I was at um, had great coaches. And so they were always helping you with not only form and technique, but being positive and supportive of what you were trying to do and really working with you individually to make sure that you understood what you were trying to do and what it was gonna accomplish. And then the beauty of it all was that because it was a class setting, there were a group of people that I continued to go at the same time that I got to know. And so within that, I not only had a leader or a mentor or a coach who was providing me with really good information, my wife was keeping me accountable, and this group of community was there to be supportive when I was struggling or really to celebrate with me when things were going well. So that, that group of people as partners was critical that I know I couldn't have done it alone. The second thing in the, the uh, second pillar in the, my perspective was I started thinking, one of the coaches at the gym said, you know, if you're driving a high performance sports car, would you ever put cheap gas in that sports car? So, so if you want a high performing body, why are you filling it with junk food? And that triggered something in my head of that food is not just something we put in our body for pleasure, even though we do at times but it's really there to fuel our body and make our body as effective as it can be. And so I really changed my perspective on and, had a, and started to gain some greater understanding of, you know, what are foods that are healthier for you, that are better for your system and that help you digest differently. So that was a complete change in my perspective about food, not just I needed to eat or I was bored and so I would eat something, but it was about why am I eating? And what is the value of what I'm eating and the, how much water I need to drink and, and all of that. And then I had this plan and I was like, okay, this is the way I'm going to eat. This is when I'm going to go to the gym. This is how I'm going to measure and track my results so that I know if what I'm doing is working. And in about, I would say totally a little over a year, year and a half, I was down to 100, 
actually, it's probably two years. I was down to 167 pounds. My doctor took me off my blood pressure medicine and took me off of my cholesterol medicine. So all of those three things were critical in helping me going from somebody who was completely overweight and out of shape to somebody who was now running seven minute miles and um, not feeling tired, lost a whole bunch of weight and whose health was in a much better place. So I think that that was one of my examples. Um, and I think if we in our organizations, sometimes we have organizations that are not very healthy and are really in bad places, whether it's we're struggling with staff, we don't have enough, we're not making enough sales or bringing in enough revenue. There's some pieces that we're struggling with. And many times we'll sit at our desk or, and try to figure it out all on our own. And really there are some missing pieces there. Um, Tom, um, could you maybe, I mean, I love this example with your health and, and you know, like going to the gym and, and the support and changing the percept, perception and so on. But could you, could you maybe give us um, a, an example either from a nonprofit or from a for-profit? Sure. Um, you know, something, you know, often... When we, uh, I, I hear this myself when I talk to people as well, you know, because I often give them examples like, you know, building a business is like building a house. And, and I often use the health uh, or eating habits and, and so on. But then they say, okay, I get that, but how can I apply that in business? Certainly. And uh, yeah, so maybe if we can, if you can give us like some business examples of all your three pillars. Sure. So uh, I had a client that I was working with and they kind I had been working with them kind of off and on, but then they came to me because they were really stressed out. They had, it's a nonprofit organization that had a fundraising event in the summer. And the goal, the target goal for that event was $50,000. Not huge, but huge for them. It made a big difference. Well, their end result was they raised $10,000. So they're now $40,000 short. And, and the executive director came to me and was like, I don't know what we're going to do. I think we need to run another event. We need to do something different. I don't know what's happening. And so they were completely stressed out about how are we going to meet budget? And, you know, the mission that they have serves a huge population of people who are at risk, um, basically for food. There are people who live in food deserts and are struggling to provide food for their families. And, you know, so we, and her solution was well, we need to have another event so as we started talking you know her big challenge was she didn't didn't have a lot of volunteers that could help figure that out so we started looking and going through like okay who are the partners that can be helpful for you um and how can we make this process work so she started talking about some of their better donors and their board and how you know, they have some gifts that they want to approach, but it's not going to be enough to make up what was happening. So we started listing all of who those possible partners could be. And then we, I started talking to her about, well, what if we leverage their support, not just for an event, but in an individual giving approach, that how do we look at this differently, that they're not just making a gift, but they're going to, we're going to use their gift to leverage other gifts and that people would see by their example how making a gift could be as important or maybe more important than their attendance at an event. 
Then we put together an end of the year strategy. So now was the plan. So the plan was how do we start talking to these larger donors about making their gifts more visible and using them as a challenge for other people to make a gift. So she went out and she said, okay, well, what's the plan? All right, so the plan is you're gonna go out and talk to these people about their gift, but then throw in the component of, would you mind if we use this to leverage other opportunities and as an example? And so they started that with their board and then they had another large donor they did it with. Well, when the end of the year came around, they had surpassed their revenue goal by 50%. When four or five months ago, they, were, they had no idea how they were going to get to their goal. And I think the, the, just the concept of sitting down with someone, talking through like, where are our challenges? Where are the things that if we clear all this other noise away, we can focus on what are the key things we need to do? And then we just start to look at some of the things we're already doing a little differently. So when they stop thinking about, well, I'm just going to go ask this one person for their gift and started thinking about, well, how could that gift help inspire others to make gift gifts and actually ask them to match these gifts or match a portion of that gift and focus on it at the end of the year when people were thinking about giving that they were able to have the success that they wanted to have. And I think, it's that piece of it. You know, so much of it is that organizations understand their people in some regards and they understand how to reach them, but sometimes they forget the basics. And I think it's going back to those basics of you don't have to try to throw this big event that we don't have the time and effort and energy to do. How do we focus on some of those of our better donors and get them to make gifts and inspire others to, to do that as well? So their whole thought process on how to raise money shifted from we're really event driven to now we're more individual driven. And I think, you know, in this time and day when people are worried about getting together with large groups, you know, I know there are nonprofits out there now wondering, we've got a gala planned in two months. What are we going to do? We've got this big other event happening. Um, what are we going to do about that? And if that's a huge part of their revenue, they have to figure out how are we going to operate differently because we may not have that opportunity for the next six or eight months. So what are we going to do differently to meet, meet and reach our goals? So they have to change their perspective a little bit. Does that help? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, to me, it sounds like you're almost the process optimizer person. When you come in and you, you sit down with people and have a look at their current processes, what they're doing, and then, you know, how can we simplify? How can we uh, trim the fat? How can we focus you on doing one or two or three super actionable steps every single day? And by doing that, achieving the results that you want to achieve. Yes, I would agree. And that's why I like, you know, I don't like to pigeonhole myself as either a consultant or a coach, I think there's, you know, I like to see it as a mix. You know, you need some expertise and experience to help you break down, like you said, where are you at? What are the processes you're using? Are they effective? So there's that piece of it. But then there's the person who actually has to do the work. And how do they not get overwhelmed by all these other distractions that pop up every day that we all deal with? and really get them to figure out when am I most effective at my work? 
And if it, when I realize that time, how do I focus on the things that are most important? Because likely if I do that, I'm going to be able to be more focused. It's going to be better work. And I'm probably going to get it done a lot quicker, which will allow me then to move on to other things. Because I find, and this was for me, when I, usually I would leave work stressed because I felt like I didn't get done everything I wanted to get done, or I've got something else that's on my mind. And so my solution was I was the first one in the office and the last one to leave. And typically I would go home, have dinner with my family, put my kids to bed. And at 11 o'clock, I would pull my laptop out and work till 1230 or one, get up and, you know, recycle that all over again. And I think I found myself just doing busy work, not, you know, thinking that if I worked longer, I was going to work more effectively. And what I'm now starting to realize is the more I work smarter, I'm more effective. And sometimes smarter means slowing down and focusing on what are those really important things? Because we all have our to-do list and we get that email notification and we feel like, oh, I got to jump right over there and answer that. Well, that takes us away from what we were focused on. And, you know, I think we're, we're, we need to prioritize how we use our time so that we are using it when we're most effective on the things that are most important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I was just about to ask you, like, you know, because somehow we all suck when it comes to our own business, no matter how great we are when we are helping and consulting and coaching others. And I was really just wanting to ask you, like, how do you manage all of that? for yourself yeah you know i wish i could say i had that down perfectly i'm amazed um many times when i sit down and i'm doing something that i tell my clients you shouldn't do so really honestly the only way that i found that that can be i mean i have some strategies of my own but i realized that it was critical i didn't realize this at the time but i hired a coach a coach who could help me be like uh, yeah, Tom, why are you doing this this way? And just ask me those questions that I really know the answers to. And I'm the only one who has the answer to, but I just need someone to ask it to me so that I can go back and be like, oh yeah, I know that. You know, this is, I talk about this all the time. And that's what I find with my clients. Many times I'm talking with their fundraisers about strategies and they're sitting there nodding their head. They know the strategy. The challenge is that, or that what's important or why I should, you should do this process or this procedure. They just have lost that in the midst of everything else that's going on. And I think we're the same way within our own businesses is how do we really focus on those things that matter and not get caught up with, oh, I've got to, I've got to redo this brochure because it's not perfect and I want it to look better or my website isn't perfect and how do I make that look a little different or you know, all those things that can take us away from how are we out engaging and interacting with our constituents and our clients. And so for me, having that person who provides me with some accountability and some sort of mentorship coaching has been a critical piece. You know, that's my other example that I use is that when I look at my own business, if I didn't have partners and I didn't always reconsider or think about what is the perspective that I have, and if I don't have a plan, I know that I'm going to struggle and that I'm not going to probably achieve what I wanted to achieve. Like last year, I set some pretty aggressive goals for myself. And I firmly believe that if I didn't have a coach who was keeping me accountable, that I didn't measure every month on the exact same date, where am I? What do I need to do different? 
What are the things I need to focus on to help me reach my, I would not have gotten to where I got to. And I actually achieved all of the goals that I had set for myself last year because I think I was continually looking at it and being challenged by someone to make sure I was focused on those things. That's the way I try to deal with it. Because I know left to my own devices, you know, I would struggle with that. No, absolutely. I mean, like I said, um, I believe that we all suck when it comes to our own business because we are just too involved, too emotionally involved in it. And no matter how good you are with um, emotional intelligence and mindfulness and all of that, um, it's still different helping others and, you know, um, doing the same stuff for yourself. And uh, um, I'm, I'm sometimes amazed how um, some business coaches out there, when you ask them, like, you know, do you have a coach of your own? Uh, they almost feel offended, you know, like, why would I have a coach? I'm a business coach myself. I know how to do things. But, you know, uh, one thing is knowing how to do it. And the, the other thing is actually doing it with, when, you know, you're involved in it on a daily right. basis and you don't see it uh, from the outside perspective, the way you help your other clients. Yeah, and I, you know, it, one of the things that really struck me, I was watching the US Tennis Open uh, whenever that was, last summer, and they had the finals. So here you have the two greatest tennis players in the world with unbelievable skills. They can do whatever they want with a racket and a ball. Um, and yet, after every point, the cameras pan to the audience. And at one point I was like, well, what are, who are those people? You know, you're thinking, well, it's probably their family or some really close friend or some celebrity. It was their coach. And so if you have people who are the highest performing athletes, I think some of the top level business people, um, the greatest musicians and actors and performers all have a coach because at some point they forget the basics. You know, a coach can watch and say, oh, tennis player, you're not throwing the ball high enough on your serve. That's why it's a little bit off and it's not as effective. We can't see that. We're in the middle of doing it. And so to have somebody there who can step back, look at it from a different perspective, perspective and provide us with feedback, I think allows us to be more and more helpful. You know, I would say to anybody, I would not hire a coach unless that coach has a coach. Yeah. Um, but why do you think it is that uh, when it comes to building a business, majority of people out there think that they have to do it on their own. Yeah, it's probably a pride or an ego thing, or, or it's just a lack of understanding. You know, I don't think we, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think the athletics world understands coaching. Like every team has a coach. Um, I think that we feel like, okay, well, I have an expertise in this thing, and so I'm going to start a business to provide that expertise to others. But I think what happens is that as we get into business, we realize there's way more to it than we thought. You know, I, there was a great story somebody told me about a baker, this woman who loved to bake. And, you know, she would make pies or cakes for her friends. And they were like, oh, my gosh, this, this food is excellent. You should sell this. She's like, I don't know. And they're like, yeah, yeah, you really should. You make money at it. So they start selling it. And, you know, it starts to get even better. And now they're like, well, maybe I should open up a storefront and really have a business. Okay, I open up. Well, now I have to go figure out real estate. I have to figure out how to start a business. I've got to um, maybe go out and hire some more people. 
Um, I've got to worry about, you know, finances and insurance and healthcare and inspectors. And, and before you know it, the baker who all they really love to do is bake is doing less and less baking and more and more managing their business, something that they really don't have an expertise in. And I think that's what's hard is that there are so many pieces to a business. There's no way we could have all of those puzzle pieces together, which again, leads me back to my partners. You know, I start to think about, I need a virtual assistant, somebody who can help me with some things that is not as effective for me to do, but I really need them done. I'm working on getting a lawyer, an accountant, you know, all those other people who can do some of those things that are not my sphere of influence or sphere of experience, um, expertise, but really people who can help me focus on the things that I think I'm really good at, which is getting together with people, consulting and coaching them on how they can do things maybe differently, maybe more effectively to provide greater results for their organization. So get all that other stuff out of the way and let me focus on what it is I do really well. Business people, I think are hard with that. They, one, probably don't feel like they have the resources. So they don't wanna go out and spend resources on these partners who could really be beneficial for them. And so they try to do it all themselves. It's hard. I think people think it's easy to run your own business and I think it's a lot harder than people think it is. Yes. Absolutely. Um, I, I 100%, 150% agree with you. And I see that so often when I'm working with my clients where they went into business being passionate about something. And then with time, as the company grew, they're doing more and more of the stuff that they don't like, that they are not good at. And it's sucking the energy away from what they really are good at. Absolutely. Um, but okay, Tom, uh, tell us a little bit about Tom. Tell us about Lacroix. Sure. So, uh, <laughs> you know, the, I've always been involved in athletics for my entire life, whether as a spectator, participant, whatever. Um, but you know, we all, have, I had a family, so I have three kids and they kept me really busy. And so I wasn't able to be as involved as I thought. And then again, as I got healthier and in shape, my wife has been a high level lacrosse official for probably 20, well, 20 years she's been an official and high level for probably the last eight or 10, um, doing international events and national championships. And, and so I've been talking about lacrosse for a million years. And you know, I just felt like, well, here's a great way to put some knowledge together. Um, to take advantage of the shape that I got in. And also it's a great way for me. So I became a lacrosse official on the women's side of the game. And, you know, it challenges my mind in a different way. And that's been great. It's also been a great release from, you know, the stress of trying to run my own business. So, you know, in the spring and some, and a little bit in the fall, I will go out and run around on a field and think about, other things in a different way and in the same way it's a lot like a business you've got to manage a coach two coaches and players and fans and you got to have an understanding of the rules and you know impl implement them right and manage the game and so there's a lot of that piece of it that i i love and again i think it's something i enjoy and it's you know, the, the world and the sports world needs more officials. And so if that's something I can do to give back a little bit 
to, um, to the world, great. I make a little money doing it and that's nice too, but um, the best thing is that I get to stay in shape and I get to meet really cool people who are other officials, you know, who come from all different backgrounds, doing all different types of things, who all are, for the most part, doing it because they love the sport and they want to support it. So it's been a fun thing for me to be involved in. Um, I'm not sure I ever would have imagined it, but, uh, but it's been great. Perfect. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, um, you know, you don't see that every day, uh, a man being involved in the women's side of the lacrosse, uh, and, and even lacrosse is a sport is, you know, it's not uh, football or something, you know, as popular as that. So it's, it's interesting. So that's why I wanted to bring yeah. the attention to that. Uh, Tom, who should reach out to you and what's the best way to find you? Certainly. Um, you know, honestly, the people who, are who should reach out to me are those who are really overwhelmed by the responsibilities and the expectations that are placed on them. And they're struggling to find that direction and focus on those efforts that are, that are most important. Um, people who have these other parts of their jobs that they're not really as strong at. You know, and I look at the nonprofit world and there are people who are really positive about the mission. They love their mission. They're, they're dedicated to it. They love the people they work with. They're really good at advocating and serving those people. But sometimes they don't have the resources to find people who can help them do the other thing, you know, and fundraising is such a huge part of the nonprofit world um, that I know that there are a lot of organizations out there who, who could use help and advice and support with that. So those are great people. I think other people who really struggle to put together a plan and then be able to be held accountable for it. Um, I don't think we all like to think about accountability, but I love walking people through, okay, you say you're here, but you wanna be here, but you don't know how to get there. And once you get there, you're not sure what you're gonna do even once you have the plan to do it. So I think it's that, that those people who have goals, that they're trying to achieve, but they're struggling to achieve them. Uh, and sometimes they're given goals that are unrealistic and have, being, having the ability to have those conversations about how to manage expectations. Those are the people I love working with and they can reach me. I have a website, like everybody, it's advancementdesigns.com, A-D-V-A-N-C-E-M-E-N-T, designs, D-E-S-I-G-N-S.com. Um, but they can also reach me by email and it's just Tom at advancementdesigns.com. Um, or the easiest way and kind of the old fashioned way, but you can always call me at 443-595-6624. Um, and again, I'm on all the social media platforms. You can either look for Tom Brush or Advancement Design. Okay. And I mean, I have all your links, so we'll make sure that we include all those links in the show notes. So uh, for our listeners, you can just go there in the show notes, click it to click, and you can reach Tom on all his social media platforms, his website, Twitter, um, and so on. Um, Tom, one last question before I say goodbye, or before we say goodbye. Uh, what's the last golden nugget of wisdom that you would like to share with the audience? You know, my last golden nugget, I think, is taking action. We all get stuck with something that we have a challenge with. We all have challenges, right? Every single one of us every day wakes up with some challenge. 
And a lot of times those challenges don't get overcome because we get paralyzed. I'm not either not knowing what to do, fear, worry, am I doing it right? And so my thing is figure out what the first step is and take that first step. And then once you take the first step, take the next step. Because I think once we put ourselves and we ignite action, we now can help solve our challenges. The other thing I'm gonna throw in too, so sorry about that. To me, it's, all, it's always about your why. You know, why are you trying to do what you're trying to do? And if that why is strong enough, you can do anything you want. You know, I think for us, we had a why that we were gonna help people with our business. And this is important. You know, it makes a difference. It feels, for me, it feels like I'm giving back um, and doing the things I wanna do in the way I wanna do them. That's my why. And if that's strong enough for each of us, we can then accomplish whatever it is we want to accomplish. So that would be my golden nuggets. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, having a very strong why is, is very, very important. Um, if, if not the most important thing in your business, thing that motivates you and pushes you to wake up every day and to move forward and to do the things that are not easy and so on. Yeah, and visualize. You know, if you visualize what, what success is going to look like, there's a pretty good chance you're going to achieve it. Perfect. Tom, um, I'm going to say thank you for this thank lovely you. interview. Thank you for sharing all of that wisdom with our audience. Um, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, I wish you all the best on, on your journey. And again, thank you for being my guest today. Take care. Thank you. Have a great day.